take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. This is Season 1, Chapter 7. And today with me, we have a very young balloon artist. He's 24 years old these days. He has two kids. He's so brilliant. I had the opportunity of meeting him on WBC 2014, where he created huge costumes of Bumblebee from the Transformers. And I just, once I saw what he's doing, I had to dig deeper and see everything that he has on his website and and on Facebook. And he's such a talent, such a prodigy, that I had to become good friends with him. And I have the honor of having him on the show. His name is Dylan Gelinas. You might have already purchased one of his PDFs because they are awesome. And without further ado, here is Dylan Gelinas. Hello, everyone, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Today, this is chapter seven of the first season of the Balloon Artist Podcast. And with me, I have a very special guest. His name is Dylan Chelines. He is a very talented balloon artist from Portland. He's 24 years old, but already has, I don't know, I think 15 PDFs that he sells that are super awesome. I have all of them. I had the privilege of meeting with Dylan in the WBC 2014, and that was really awesome to see him on the jam room, creating huge robot costumes, and really just being the talented Dylan that he is. We've been uh, friends since then, and uh, I'm really honored to welcome you. So hello, Dylan. Howdy there, Zippy. How's it going? I, I'm really excited to having you here on the show. We have so many things to cover, but before we start, can you tell us a little bit about your business and the name and what you do to earn a living from balloons? Well, I'm with Slightly Twisted Balloons, which was the original tagline of my previous business name, which was Dylan's Professional Balloon Entertaining, uh, but Slightly Twisted Balloons sounded just a little bit better, so we went with that. Moved to Portland, Oregon about four years ago now, I'd say, and been going pretty strong here ever since. There's not a lot of people up here doing balloons besides, you know, Patricia Bunnell and Dominic Hunter. A lot of people really digging the balloons up here, and that's about it, yeah. So so the first question that comes to mind when I look at your, uh, at your handsome picture or when I talk to you or when I see you in, in a balloon jam room is... How come you're so talented and so young at the same time? So how many years are you twisting, man? I believe I've been twisting 14 years now, since I was 10 at least. When did you start to notice that you're doing technical work that is like top-notch, that, that you're able to create a sculpture that is so accurate and fancy? Really came once I started realizing that there was more to the balloons than uh, just two sixties. Everything went real crazy once I realized there was such a thing as a geo blossom. <laughs> I have it in this really weird. The first one I ever got, I got three of them from a local balloon store. They had three of them, and they were this like a pearl azure or something, and real sparkly looking. It was apparently it was a very limited run or something. They don't make them that color anymore. And they were 
very old and exploded upon blowing up. But I was very interested in those balloons and wanted to work with them a lot more. So I actively sought out more than that and found a whole bunch. And I, I wanted to work with them all. Yeah, that sounds cool. I also noticed that you're walking a lot with multiple kinds of sizes. So it's, it's like uh, when I try to do one of your PDFs, it's always, okay, make sure I have enough 160s, make sure I have enough hearts, make sure I have enough 350s. You're not just a regular twister that, uh, you know, settles for using only 260. Well, I like to keep it varied in my my sculptures i really like the the look that comes along with a lot of different shapes of balloons because it makes it so they don't really look so much like balloons anymore if everything's just a a long tube next to a long tube next to a long tube next to a bent long tube then it all starts to kind of fall together into kind of a mundane kind of look i believe but sometimes that works yeah That, that depends on the sculpture, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the theme for this uh, season is uh, how to make money with balloons and how to consider uh, additional income vectors and also how to improve your content in order to be able to, to sell uh, more stuff. So, uh, and, and, and you chose a very interesting way to earn an additional income, and that is the, the path of selling PDFs. Now, I want you to, to, to tell us why, why should people bother, why should a balloon artist bother to create a PDF and sell it? Well, I didn't always make PDFs. I used to make YouTube videos, and that was a long time ago, and I certainly do not want to look like the person that I used to look like back then. Like a very scraggly young man. But um, I used to make a lot of YouTube videos, just on little simple kind of designs, nothing too crazy. And one day, I'm, you know, I had been working on this leprechaun design that I felt really happy with, and I posted it online, uh, and I got a lot of interest in it, and people wanted to know how to make it. The issue was, like, it would have taken... I believe at the time YouTube still had a policy where you could only make like 15 minute long videos. So in order to make this leprechaun step by step, it would have taken me probably six of those 15 minute long videos just to do it. And yeah. that just seemed really impractical. But I had started seeing people releasing PDFs and that would just be, you know, I would just take a bunch of pictures put it all together and people can read it at their own pace. So I gave it a go and everyone was quite receptive to it. And I decided, you know, rather than focus on the little kind of short designs, which are starting to flood YouTube, I would appeal more to the people that wanted to build something a little more intricate, maybe something that you could put as like a table centerpiece or as a deliverable and teach them that via PDF. Cool. How hard is it to create a PDF for you? Um, It depends. Really, the hardest part is taking the pictures because I'm not particularly good at that. At least I don't think so. And take several hundred photographs of each and every step of the process. You go through all the photographs, separate them out into which ones from each section are the best. Maybe touch them up a little bit to, make, to clean them up a little bit. And then I use a Apple program on my iPad here called Pages open up a new project and then I've gotten really quite good at using pages but it generally takes about 
maybe a week and a half to two weeks all said and done about two to three days to take all the photographs and get them all sorted and cleaned up and then about a week to compile them all lay them all out add a little bit of humor and uh all the written instructions well i have to mention uh, the little bit of humor uh it's not just a little bit those those pdfs are really showing up your personality and are are really uh, sticky like uh, I, i just like uh, reading them it's really fun so thank you for also like showing uh, not just your talent but showing that you can do things differently you got to break it up a little bit i mean these things read like stereo instructions so i mean you got to throw a little something in to keep the reader interested yeah cool i do want to go a little bit deeper because that's a lot of work uh, to do uh, even even if it's just two weeks and i i bet it's not an easy two weeks doing all that work and sharing your ideas and selling the pdfs surely is uh not just for the money because I know from the inside, I, ha- I have a product for magicians with uh, a magic trick stickers. They're really cool, but I know how the market works and like how much it's impossible to make a living from those kind of things. It's not for the money. So, so why, why do you do it? Well, well you're, you're right about that. It certainly isn't for the money. I get approximately enough each week to keep my, uh, keep my chameleon fed. Um, But really, I enjoy doing it because I like contributing to the community that I feel has given a lot to me. And I like seeing myself progress in that community as I release more, see my stuff reflected back at me as I, you know, see things adapted or or turned around a little bit and see them change and develop into other things. I enjoy seeing that kind of reflection and... It's always nice to move forward in an industry rather than just kind of stagnate. Yeah. Can you imagine yourself like in the future, like a few months or a few years from now, where will this lead? Because you create really top-notch content and the, the PDFs are, uh, and the sculptures are, are, are really well-made. I never seen them. Like they're very original uh, material. You create that material by yourself. And uh, this brings the feeling that... Uh, You're extremely talented, like you have a good eye. So where do you want this to lead you? I've had a lot of people asking about a DVD. Honestly, that seems like a lot of work. I've heard I've heard from a fellow, couple other people that have done that, and it, it really just seems very, very hard. Um, honestly, maybe I'll start working the convention circuit or just start crashing jam rooms, something like that, uh, to get a more one-on-one with people and see firsthand that kind of evolution kind of take place by showing an idea and then watching it change as it moves across the room. I would love to attend like a teaching situation, teaching gig in the convention and uh, see you teach there. So uh, moving on, I'd like to talk about practice. When you created those uh, PDFs, those wonderful sculptures, did it ever occur to you that you made it to uh, just for the purpose of practicing or did it happened that you make it for a customer. Can you share us uh, the story behind that? Really, each of them has a particular story. I don't, I don't really practice in the traditional sense much anymore. Um, I tend to work enough that the audience kind of keeps me on my toes and 
I, I develop things from there, but um, occasionally I do go to my balloon stock and I, you know, I grab some balloons and I practice techniques because I feel like, you know, if you have those down, then you can really do anything you'd like. But um, for example, on the on the PDF side, um, I was hanging out with a fellow balloon twister and he was staying at a, a friend of his house and she loved cats. And he asked me, you know, like, hey, when you come over, bring over, uh, bring over, make like a balloon cat or something, bring it over. And so I, you know, I, I really admire this uh, Twister's work and I really didn't want to let him down about it. I wasn't going to bring him like a two balloon cat. So I was like, make something really nice. I'll make like a ball of yarn out of like a ping pong ball and some uninflated balloons and really go all out on it. And so that's how I came up with what became Stanley the Cat. And... Things like um, Bosco the Bear, that was for a fellow that was sick in the hospital and his family wanted something for him. And for the Magic Mouse, I really just wanted something kind of, I wanted to steal some iconography for my business card. So that seemed like the easiest way to do that. And you can always use a good Mickey Mouse design. (laughs) Yeah. And that was the one I I wanted to make sure that I could come up with a good one. So they, they each have a story, and it isn't exactly practice. It's more just having a need and then filling it to the best of your ability within the moment because nothing nothing inspires greater work than than a real need to achieve. Yeah. One of the, one of the questions that uh, a lot of listeners uh, probably have when they see uh, the PDFs is they think, well, this, isn't, this is not practical. You can't do that in a line work situation. So what would you answer those people? Um, I would say some of it isn't. I would say like things like my alien from the, the xenomorph alien, definitely not line work. Um, but things like the, like the motorcycle, the pocket chopper, that's very accomplishable. Uh, my Slimer, the new Ghostbusters movies coming out. I'm looking forward to that. So it should, I don't know if they're going to have the new, the Slimer in the new one, but I've scaled down him to 260s and and 160s, and he's worked out just fine. And a lot of them, you just have to be able to tweak it down a little bit to cut back on some of the details. And if you strip it down, they they really become quite accomplishable within any time frame. I can definitely testify about the Yoda PDF. I've been using the Yoda head in line work. I even used it in a fast twisting competition in Israel and won a third place with this design. So it wasn't the same as is, it was a simplified design. It was the same uh, head, but with a hat uh, body instead of the full body, same colors and everything. But definitely the head of the Yoda is accomplishable in a line walk situation. And I think that actually that's probably true for all of them. Now that I now that I come to think of it, because I know that in the past, like I have done the xenomorph, but just the head, and I do it as like a hat, or even the the Cheshire cat. If you just take the head, put it on like a hat base, and that tends to work out just fine. That actually the Cheshire cat, if you do the head and then you do a spiraled clear, uh, two sixty that coming off of it, it looks like his body's disappearing. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that tends to tends to be pretty good reaction from someone who's quite familiar with the character that's cool and uh, these days when you're doing a line walk gig or twisting gig uh, do you also do simple like one balloon stuff 
it really depends on on the venue itself. Sometimes things like that are just a necessity. I've really been trying to focus more on the playability factor. Like I, I currently have two lightsabers. I have a lightsaber that looks like a lightsaber, looks really good, and then I have one that you know you can swing around and it makes like a lightsaber sound. And mm-hmm. the one that makes the sound is ten times easier, but also ten times more popular just because of the the playability of it that kids can really get that visceral reaction so you know over time I've kind of learned that sometimes more simple can be an asset that's awesome uh, by the way uh, how, what what makes the sound uh, I believe I saw a David Brennan show it to me and he probably got it from somewhere. Uh, I think it was like an old balloon toy that was kind of modded into it. But basically you're running, you're taking a 260, folding it in half, you know, so it makes, make a circle and then cut it in half. So it makes two strips side by side and then wrap another 260 around it as a loop and then attach it to the bottom. And so basically it looks like, a, looks like two balloons parallel to each other being held by like a handle. And then when you swing it, the air moves between those two balloons, causing them to vibrate and smack each other really, really fast. And it makes like a buzzing sound. Cool. My lightsaber design uh, is uh, like a, a 160 balloon inside a 260 clear and then uh, connected to a handle from a 260 silver. And it seems to be very popular as well. Or, re, or like from time to time, I would make it, uh, I will scale it up with a 260 inside a 350 clear connected to a 350 handle from silver. And uh, people would like to see the difference like, oh, I got the fat lightsaber or the big lightsaber. So, they, so from time to time, people would actually prefer the fat one, the, the bigger one. I always, if I'm making one that looks like a lightsaber, I always do the 350, and then I normally, if, it, if it's getting near the evening, I'll drop an LED into it just to make it glow as well, and that's, a cool that's idea. always a showstopper. That's awesome. That's a cute idea. So I would like to talk with you about professional development. Like I noticed in the last couple of years... Since the last WBC, we've been in touch. We talked about your website and we've talked about all kinds of things. And from time to time, you will, you will mention an idea that is related to professional development, like a tip. And it always blew my mind. So thank you for, for sharing those with me in the last two years. I actually have a confession to make that if it wasn't for those tips from you, Dylan, there wouldn't be this podcast uh, to begin with. So thank you for that. So, so tell us a little bit about what are you, how do you collect those ideas? Uh, I confess I am, a, I am a self-help book junkie. I have probably close to 100 titles on my, my iPad right now, but... Um, I absolutely love like little tidbits of information that could just possibly make things run smoother or make something happen quicker or optimize something. I'm almost completely useless without my Audible account. I get mm-hmm. two books two books a month, and I go through them probably in about a week. I should probably upgrade that. But um, I really like the idea that if you can compress someone's life down into one book, 
and then absorb that, then essentially you've gotten their entire entire life's experience and you don't really have to do that yourself you can just kind of pick and choose the best parts so an audible account is wonderful for that because really i just don't have time to read a whole bunch of books myself and podcasts are really wonderful as well like when you're driving to and from a gig like um i got hooked on the magician business podcast which you know near its beginning wasn't exactly aimed at the balloon twisting market but there was so much in there that was really applicable and then they started moving that way as well and i i really couldn't be more happy for it but also the the tim ferris podcast some of you might know tim ferris as the guy who wrote the uh the four-hour work week and he has guests on all the time and they're talking about you know optimizing sleep habits and business and different you know web programs that help you know you arrange your emails and things like that just little things that make day-to-day activities that seem really tedious making them a little more manageable cool uh i need to check the tim ferris show like i did read his book Thanks to, to your tip. Exposing me to the Magician Business Podcast was probably the single-handedly most effective thing in my life right now. Like so many things that I do, I do it uh, better and differently thanks to listening to podcasts and uh, that one specifically, but also additional podcasts like uh, Smart Passive Income and more. On Audible, I'm listening now to The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. That's a really nice book about how ideas sometimes act like a virus and uh, like an epidemic. So a word-to-mouth um, epidemic can be created uh, in certain certain uh, conditions. And that book, The Tipping Point, is talking about when, when does a word-to-mouth ec- epidemic happens. Um, what do you listen to now? Huh. Um, right now... Uh, I'm listening to How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, which is a about a 24-hour-long audiobook on how how Star Wars marketing basically just consumed the entire world, and how you know basically most of all the words and lingo and alien names that people know about were never in the movies but people only know them because they were absorbed through the toys and the advertising and things like that and it's really fascinating to to get a look into something so big and successful and to see just like the little steps that they took where they didn't have to shove it on the big screen it could just be little things that they integrated into their marketing that really deeply resonated with people to the point where you know it's become like a really really huge cultural phenomenon And I can suppose even if you could grab a little bit of that for yourself and uh, run with it in a business sense. And besides, I kind of just like Star Wars. So I guess I guess <laughs> that's probably why I'm listening to it. I'm trying to make it seem real business-like, but I, I just kind of like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always a combination of, uh, you know, business and pleasure <laughs> in life, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. Anything else about professional development before we continue? I'd say be willing to invest in ones that sound really mean. Because sometimes those are the best ones. Like um, I read this one a couple months back called How to Get Your Competition Fired. 
which sounds very aggressive in such a community environment such as we're in, you know, with the balloon twisting community. You certainly don't want anyone to get fired or to to lose their work or anything. But um, it basically just talks about uh, how to increase your selling points without actively detracting from your uh, competitions. So it looks really bad to your potential client if you're like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm the I'm the best balloon guy in the area. You don't want to hire that guy over there because you know he's got lackluster stuff, and you know, sure he's going to be probably cheaper or whatever. But you know, he's a scumbag. You don't want to hire him. That sounds really bad on you, and no one really wants to hire that guy. Yeah. So, it instead of attacking your your competition. It basically goes over ways where you can promote yourself in a way that naturally makes you more appealing. So it's a very misleading title. So you might look at it and you might go, you know, like, oh, that sounds really aggressive. And I'm not some Wall Street, you know, trader or something. It's a lot of times in books like that, the, the title is just for show and it's got really down to earth information inside of it. Yeah, you know, when you told me before on the book, I was afraid to read it. But now that you mentioned it this way, I think I have to read it. So we'll put the the book names in the show notes of the show. So it will be in balloonartistpodcast.com and there will be a chapter seven page and you could, uh, people could uh, read it there and uh, learn more about it. I would like to ask you to give us uh, three tips that are like more the advanced balloon twisting tips. Three tips. Three tips on balloon twisting. Uh, okay. So the first I'd say use a very full palette. Like really try and get your hands on as many different kinds of balloons as possible. With every order that you make via, you know, from an online distributor or even from your brick and mortar shop. Always try and get something new with your order. It doesn't have to be like buy everything on the first trip. Just buy, you know, you know, uh, an assortment of hearts or an assortment of geos. Start with assortments and kind of mess around. And you'd be surprised at, you know, almost overnight how much more dynamic your work becomes just from that alone. Um, and don't even limit that to just balloons. Really go to like dollar stores and buy bells, buy you know little lights, mm, popsicle sticks, just really weird stuff that you wouldn't think would go well with balloons. And, and play with it. You know, I've I've had success putting pennies in balloons to create just little flat discs for tail lights in a motorcycle, or um, you can put nickels in the feet of a duck so it can actually float on the water and the 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 nickels work to make it like buoyant and keep it afloat so it doesn't tip over so little things like that so be, be willing to really explore all the options that you have cool so uh, keeping a full palette got it oh yes um next the sidewall bubble is totally king I love the sidewall bubble. I feel like it's the probably my favorite utility technique. Um, if you don't currently do it, I suggest you you work on it and try and get it down in all of the major balloon sizes. Uh, and that goes all the way down to 
the 160. They, it's a great way to create an attachment point without having to make a full-on twist. So it allows you to keep your really clean lines uh, while still creating an attachment point. And really, that can that can make or break a sculpture. You know, if you don't want a, a crease right down the middle of a, a really nice space you just made or something, but you have to have an attachment point, you know, just that little... Just that little pinch twist can really save the day. And then finally, always aim for the simplest design you can make. Like uh, Ralph Dewey was always really good at, you know, breaking it down to the very essentials of what that sculpture was. They they said um, that you could never... You can never take away from his sculptures because they would just completely fall apart if you did that. And that's a great place to be at if you're trying to create something really special because you can always add more details on. But it's much harder to make something that's packed to a detail and then be able to scale it back down because you feel, you know, you're some things may be incorporated into other things in a way where you can't scale it down effectively while keeping that same kind of look. So it's always easier to start really simple and then build your way up by adding more detail. That's awesome. Thanks, man. So um, making it simple, that, that's, you know, less is more and uh, keeping it simple sometimes just makes it more appealing mm-hmm. aesthetically. That's cool. I wanted to talk with you also about your favorite tools. So everyone has his own favorite set of tools, like uh, I'm using the Filbert pump, very happy about it, and uh, uh, like the organizers for, uh, for for the balloons. And uh, but but tell us about your tools. What like what are your favorites? Hmm. I don't use a I don't use a ton of physical tools. Like a, I I created my own balloon bag, so I guess I couldn't say that. But um, there are a couple things that I use. Uh, recently, I started using something called Dragon Dictation. I use it here on my my iPhone, and it's really nice because I can just turn it on and I can go up to like my balloon stock, and I'm just like looking through it all, and I don't have to look down and write down every single thing that I'm missing. What I can do is I can just say it out loud. I can be you know like uh, two bags of blue 160s. You know, one bag of wintergreen 260, and it, it'll write it all down for me. That way I can go and I can make my order and things like that with it all down without me having to really focus on writing or anything like that. Um, but also uh, mini whiteboards. I have at least five mini whiteboards, little dry erase boards uh, scattered throughout my house. And they're really good for writing reminders on to contact people again, reminding you about your goals. Like I try to have a goal to book at the very least four events a week because I know that if I do that, then I'll make my I'll generally make my quota for how much money I need to make a week. Uh, As long as four things are booked a week, then somewhere those four are going to come back around. So the whiteboards are really great for little reminders um, and then I think I think the other thing that I use a lot is Fiverr, and I'm sure a lot of people already know about Fiverr, but it's just a really great tool for finding people that um 
that can do like little jobs that maybe you feel inequipped to do. Like, like I just need someone to touch up my logo I, or I want to add like a Christmas kind of edge to my logo because the holidays are coming up and I want to push my like Christmas show and you can look on Fiverr and bam, someone adds snow to your logo for five bucks and it's really no trouble to them. Saves you the hassle of learning how to do that. And there goes a little more of the, the invisible hand of the free market. Cool. So before we wrap up, we discussed in advance that uh, we will do this kind of, I don't know if to call it a competition, but uh, you were very generous and were willing to offer all of your PDFs as a gift to one listener. What? So tell us Is that what I offered? Oh, all of them. Oh, boy. Yes. So, so in terms of value, it's like a, a million bucks, basically. Yeah, uh, two, two it, million, I think, two, you're underselling No, it. like the worth is 10 million, but but the cost is, uh, we're saving about, we're giving away one, like you're giving away one million bucks in, by, by sharing all of your PDFs to one person, one balloon artist. So how would you choose who will uh, be the balloon artist that gets all your PDFs? Okay, well, on the balloon artist podcast website down where this podcast is hosted you can find the comment section and all i want you to do is write in the comment section one balloon tip or tool that you use that you find completely indispensable that really changes the game for you and i'm going to look through them pick what i think is the best one and that person is going to get my entire collected works. And if I was able to, to sign them digitally, I would. But unfortunately, I already have Sharpie on my computer screen from the last time I tried that. So you won't get the, the, the signed version. You will get the original PDFs. If you go to balloonartistpodcast.com, go to the show notes for Chapter 7. And in the comments section, write down uh, your preferred tip. And uh, how many days do you want to give them? Like a week? I think that sounds fair. Cool. So once this goes live, uh, uh, you, you have one week to give your comments and you'll get, you'll get all, all of the PDFs, uh, one of you. Like Dylan will come back and choose the one tip that he likes the most and that, that would be yours to get. Maybe it'll so, be me. Maybe I'll just hire someone on Fiverr and they'll look it over for me. Who knows? I, I can send you a tip about uh, a website where uh, you can ask for a random number. Um, there you go. So, yeah. So you just no, need to them. know. I'll read them. I'm very interested in what, what other people think. I'm also very much interested. You know, when, when people share, that's usually when uh, you get the best tips around there and you, you just shared so many cool tips here today so I really am looking forward to see what people will share as well well I certainly hope someone got something out of it yeah so uh, Dylan we are all very anxious about seeing your next project I hope to get my hands on it uh, soon I consider myself as a friend of yours and it's an awesome thing to know thank you so much for everything Oh, no problem. So thank you again, and then see you guys uh, next week.
see you soon on the next chapter of the Balloon Artist Podcast. Bye. Wow, there's so much things you can take from Dylan Jelina. So many tips about twisting, about business growth. I, I can't thank Dylan enough for sharing all of this information and for the special uh, offer that he made. So here are my main takeaways from Dylan Jelinas from the interview. The first one is about audible. Look, uh, I could have put it on a tip at the end of the of the show. Uh, audible is a great tip. And if you are listening to podcasts on your way to a gig, Try to put uh, a book from time from time to time because it kind of balances your knowledge and balances the depth of what you get and what can I say books are pretty deep yeah so uh, I use audible as well and I really encourage you to try it out and the second uh, takeaway I take from Dylan is the fact that he listens to podcasts all kinds of podcasts we already recommended a few in the past thank you so much for listening to this podcast obviously you are already familiar with the benefits of listening a podcast but just to remind people when you're driving to a gig you can listen to a podcast when you're driving back you can listen to a podcast when you're inflating balloons to a workshop or to an event you can listen to a podcast anytime that you're alone and that you're doing something that doesn't uh, require uh, you hearing something specific you can listen to a podcast you can walk out and listen to a podcast so uh, you already know this but just to emphasize how uh, lucky we are as human beings in this era where we can develop while driving and work on our businesses while walking out and so on. And the last thing is about the three tips for advanced twisters that Dylan shared. I won't repeat them, but they are pretty smart. And I think that we should all consider those tips as kind of like a compass where if you listen to those three tips, you're probably going to end up in a better place in terms of twisting capabilities. So thank you, Dylan, for that. Dylan agreed to share all of his PDFs. Uh, if you go to thebloonartistpodcast.com and share on the comment section one tip. So he gave you three tips already. All he's asking is for one tip from you of an advanced technique that you love in your twisting. So you write down on the comments what is your tip for advanced balloon twisting. And then you have one week in, uh, to do that. So from now, one week. And then Dylan will come back. Dylan will talk with you on the comments and will choose his favorite tip. And that person will also get all of the PDFs sent to him for free. So... Guys, you really want to try and take advantage of that. You have one week for the best comment and one listener will get all of his PDFs. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Season 1, Chapter 7. See you next time. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is the tip section for Season 1, Chapter 7. And today, I'm going to keep it sweet and short. I'm going to recommend a tool that 
takes a YouTube clip and converts it into an MP3 file. Now, why do you want to do that? You need to do that because you want to have a good playlist on your show or on your event. If you're not making any music on your events, like if you're 100% Uh, a decorator, then you still need to know how to do this because you need to listen to cool music while you work on your decor. So everyone needs to listen up. When you are listening to a YouTube clip that you like, you can convert it to an MP3 file, which is a music file that you can hear on your phone on or, or on your MP3 player. And the way to do it is by searching Google, convert YouTube to mp3 convert youtube to mp3 this will bring you to many websites and usually i just use the first results in google and that website will basically ask for a youtube link and will transform it into an mp3 and then you can just download the mp3 file and push it into your phone or into your itunes application or into your mp3 file uh, mp3 player and by using music from youtube you are basically expanding your reach to faster growth of your playlist faster evolution of your playlists i'm not going to get into the details of making sure you pay for the rights of using the music and so on i assume that you are all responsible and choose what to do with this part of business But I have to say, I use conversion of YouTube to MP3 all the time. And that's the tip for today. See you next time. If you are coming to WBC 16, get ready for the impromptu jam. It will be on the 10th of April, either on the lobby or on another location that we will find and announce. So stay tuned in the Facebook group, stay tuned over email and get ready for for the impromptu jam on the last day of WBC 16. See you in New Orleans. The Balloon Artist Podcast is brought to you by... Did it ever happen to you that someone asked for a yellow sword and you just didn't have any 260Q yellow? Well, it happened to me and I was so embarrassed of how unprofessional that is that I felt like I have to remember... I have to remember next time to buy that yellow to 60s. For a long time, it happened to me that I just didn't have a good place to write down what is missing for me. That's where the idea for the balloon stock app was born. You can buy the balloon stock app for a very reasonable fee by looking for balloon stock on your mobile store, either on your iTunes or on your market. The Balloon Stock app supports a list of balloons that you choose their destiny. Maybe it's a list of your inventory. Maybe it's a list of what you want to buy. Maybe it's a list of balloons for a project. But the main thing is that this list is very easy to compile because of the auto search feature, because of the search by icon feature, because of the different filters. And after you compile that one list, It's so easy. You just press the cart icon and you can email the list either to yourself or to yourself and to your balloon provider according to your needs. 
everything is super simple. I intend to put more features into the balloon stock app as soon as we have enough people on board. And I encourage you to try it out. The balloon stock app is available now. I hope you enjoy balloon stock app and thank you for supporting it.